Hello and welcome to this special edition of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Today we will today we'll bring you some of our best interviews, artists, and songs from our last season. We'll be hearing from author Dorothy Polarski about her book Motherhood Matters, and we'll also be joined by Father Scott Hurd, who will tell us about the power of forgiveness. And we'll listen to music from Chris Bray and John Michael Talbot. Remember to write to us about anything that you hear on this program, radio at saltandlighttv.org, and visit us at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. We begin now with author Dorothy Polarski. Now, are you looking for inspiration when it comes to being a mom? Are you a mom wondering about working or faith marriage, morality, holidays, grief, education. There is now a book that tackles all those topics and many more. Written by Dorothy Polarski, a Catholic mother, writer, and speaker, she is also the founder of Dynamic Women of Faith, an outreach ministry that organizes inspirational Catholic conferences. And I'm very happy to say that Dorothy Polarski joins me now. Dorothy, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Oh, Pedro, thank you very much for uh, inviting me. It's, uh, it's an honor to you know work with you. Yes, and, no. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I wish I were actually in the studio because working on Mothering Full of Grace, that was so much fun. That's right. Um, but um, yeah, the, the Mothering Full of Grace program uh, really sort of was, you know, the, my mother's group was step one, and then Mothering Full of Grace was step two, and then the, now the book is Okay, so three. then let me, okay, um, so for our listeners that might not be familiar, so Mothering Full of Grace is a program that we produced here uh, with your assistance at Salt and Light. It's a program for mothers. Yes. So, so, so you'd say that that process was sort of the beginning of what became the book? Well, what the, the beginning of the process was my own mother's group. I've hosted a mother's group for 15 years, and uh, out of my kitchen table, uh-huh. and uh, I guess, uh, you know, just the longevity of the mother's group and the warm response I've got from the mothers and, you know, all of them saying, geez, I, we should sort of introduce ourselves to women across the country, and the only way I could think of doing that is to get it on television, you know? Right. Uh, uh, so we approached Father Rosica with a proposal, and the program was produced um, by the grace of God, and um, I guess the, the the desire to minister to mothers hasn't stopped, and so you know now the the book. You know? the, but the book, because the book reads, uh, and again for our listeners, the, the book is you don't have to read it from cover to cover. You can just open it and read it. it it's almost like different reflections or or even blog postings that you've so they're not articles separate articles that you were writing for the newspaper or anything like that there's actually a combination of things okay. um there and you're absolutely right the format is uh, very similar to what you know chicken soup for the soul would yes. be you yes. sort of flip through the book find a title that resonates with you and uh, you take it from there I, I do ask readers to sort of read the first 30, 35 pages of the book because that sort of sets the context yes. for you know where all of this is coming from. And uh, but yeah, I've had some incredible you know responses to the book. I've had readers in Hawaii and readers in Wisconsin and right, readers in right. Mississauga and Brampton. So it's been a real exciting so can uh, I, development. Can I sure. ask you about the first thirty pages? Because I in fact started doing exactly that. I started reading the introduction and about you and about, and then I thought, oh, this book is is kind of about just you know ideas for mothers and stuff. And then as I kept reading. Then I, then I saw that it was sort of different topics, 
not necessarily random, uh-huh. but but uh, different uh, stories or prayers or um, so. Uh, the, the, the first, you know, the first thirty pages are really some of the insights and graces and resources that came to me when I first became a mom. I I became a mom a little bit late in life. I you know had the opportunity of uh, traveling internationally, delivering. Yeah. Uh, seminars and and things like that, and I guess when you have your children a little bit, you know, later in the game, you look at your entire life, and then this precious, precious baby that's that's given to you, and um, I began to wonder, well, could I really, in my, you know, in my heart and in my in conscience, could I really leave this baby, you know, that I've been waiting for for years, in the care of somebody else, somebody you else. know. Um, Sorry. Uh-huh. Did you did you feel the same way about leaving your career? Because there's one one story that you that you talk about in the book about being at the zoo, okay. and there was this woman that had five or six kids, and you wondered if she was a daycare provider. That there's no way that those kids could have all been hers. Right. But then she actually became your friend. Well, and what happened? Uh, it is one of my favorite stories from the book. And what happened is I was traveling on business delivering seminars, communication skills seminars, yeah, uh, in uh, Hawaii. And you know, I traveled <laughs> alone a lot, and so I sort of have the habit of introducing myself to anyone that I want to talk to because that's how I connect when I'm traveling. Right. And anyway, this woman was standing at the entrance, and uh, I was single and sort of driven and obsessed with my career at the time. And uh, I introduced myself, and I said, "Well, oh, you know, that must be, you know, that that's, you must be like a mom daycare person." Yeah. And she looked at me, and you could see sort of this deep sorrow and offense in her eyes. She's like, "No, not at all. These are my kids." And of course, I was stunned because uh, living the career life I was living at the time, I had never met a woman that had five kids and looked happy. You know, most of the women I knew had two kids and were complaining about it and right. were. Contracepting and we're back to work six weeks, maybe a year after the baby was born. So mm-hmm. to meet this incredible woman, and she goes, "Well, what do you do for you know a living?" No, I'm a, a mom, and these are my children. What do you do? And I said, "Oh, well, I'm a you know motivational speaker and trainer and consultant, and you know, right. I guess I was suffering from uh, big shotism, <laughs> sort yeah, of feeling yeah, yeah. that I'd succeeded in you know um, getting paid to work and." train and consult in Hawaii and she looked at me bullseye she got to really feel sorry for you and I was I was just blown away I'm like what do you mean you feel sorry for me and uh, she says well what you're doing is you're you know traveling from city to city uh, pouring your heart out and I can tell that you do pour your heart out from you know this exchange and you're 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 doing to women you're never ever ever going to see again she said um if you had any confidence and if you have any courage, um, you know, I would go back home and, you know, marry that guy that you're dating. I right. met my husband at uh, St. Michael's Cathedral as a lector, but I was still kind of struggling, right. you know, uh, in terms of deciding. Yeah. I think when you're getting married later, you're just more careful, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she goes, and start a family, have children, and... Uh, Every one of those kids that you have will be at your deathbed. No, but the, but the advice that you're giving, I can I can see that some people might think that what you're saying is that that women should stay at home. That's not what you're no, saying. No, no, no. So no, what do you? Not, t- I've had a very exciting uh, career, and I guess my shtick is um, is really to take the whole matter. 
to prayer. Um, one of my absolute favorite prayers is the prayer by you know Cardinal Mercier, the Holy Spirit prayer, mm-hmm. um, because I think that you know we very often forget to pray about our careers, to pray about our work, yeah, to pray true. about God's will for us as it's women. True. True. Uh, we've bought into this agenda where you know we've got a drop off our children at six in the morning and pick them up at six and we have no choice but to take just the one-year mat leave and um you know there are all sorts of alternatives there's you know contract work there's um Mm -hmm. part-time work there's taking a leave of absence there's you know i'm self-employed and so i can't tell you the number of times uh you know sort of plug my daughter into the car with my husband while i'm delivering a seminar and my husband's in the other room and so there's there's all sort of create uh, all sorts of creative options and yes there have been years that i have taken off Mm -hmm. um i'm not going to argue that um but i've never viewed the time away from my chil- like away from my work as a sacrifice because i guess i had worked so hard and been almost even a little bit of a workaholic and right. to me you know all of the sacrifices that i made for you know coca cola sheridan hotels the west and all these places that yeah, i had worked yeah, yeah. to me those were sacrifices you know yeah. to be with the little precious baby that god had given me and uh you know, yeah, I had to face my sinfulness, I had to face my limitations, and I found myself heading to the sacrament of reconciliation much more often because, right. you know, there were things that were being triggered in me. Um, but what I saw it as, you know, by the grace of God, was really an opportunity to grow in sanctity and mm-hmm. holiness. And mm-hmm. um, so the, the children have transformed me. I, you know, one of my clients, I used to be... Uh, communication skills coach for a director of education and one of the boards yeah and i'm like okay so what do you think of me now that i've had a child you know and he's like you're nicer well, really <laughs> so, good uh, yeah i do think children you know can soften they do us make us better and, yeah yeah so anyway I, i'm um, very passionate about the topic i yeah no you are spoke to, you know i think 30 women yesterday at merciful redeemer in pickering and I'm I'm really looking for opportunities to just open the hearts and minds of women to look at, you know, motherhood as a vocation, a yeah, call from God. Yeah, no, and I think the book does do that. And I, if I can just add, because oh, we're please. almost out of time, because I'm not a mom. Mm-hmm. I am married to a mom, mm-hmm. and I'm the son of a mom, but I, I'm enjoying the book just as much as I think, <laughs> oh, you know, as a, and I don't know if it's because I'm a parent, no, that's but I think it's a, news. And Thank I, you. yeah, I was saying that to Krista Matrinko here on the show earlier, that this is uh, this is a book that I think is not just for mothers. It is for mothers, but not just. So, Dorothy, thank you for, for putting it together um, and for sharing these ideas and, and whatever you're doing to inspire mothers, continue doing it. Cause, uh, Pedro, thank you very much for uh, having me on the program. It was absolutely delightful. Not a problem. Um, Dorothy Polarski is the author of Motherhood Matters, Inspirational Stories, Letters, Quotes, and Prayers for Catholic Moms. The book is published by Catholic Registered Books, and you can find out more at catholicregistered.org. Here now is Chris Bray with the inspirational song of the year, Pursue Me. How many times I've failed you How many times I've needed to Oh 
That was Chris Bray with Pursue Me from his latest album, Let Hope Arise. And singing with Chris is Marie Miller, another great Catholic singer. Chris Bray is probably the newest, freshest voice in the Canadian worship scene. Since starting as a life teen music leader in his parish several years ago, his first album, Just Hang On, became one of the few crossover albums from a Catholic to the mainstream Christian market. The rest is history. In 2009, his song Called became the number one song for the More Radio Top 5 chart and stayed more than six weeks on the Top 30 radio chart. In addition, Finally Let Go, the second single, went on to reach number one on the More Radio Top 5 AC Hits chart. That year, Chris Bray received the New Artist of the Year Covenant Award, and after seven more nominations this year, he's received two awards, Modern Worship Album of the Year for Let Hope Arise, and Inspirational Song of the Year for Pursue Me, which we just heard. I spoke to Chris Bray earlier this week as he was just back from the award ceremony in Calgary. Hello, Chris. Welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks a lot. So, congratulations to Covenant Awards. Yes, I'm very excited. Thank you. So, um, these, these are your, th- your third awards. You, you won New Artist of the Year in 2009, correct? That's right, yeah. Um, and again, just to, to clarify, so Worship Album of the Year for Let Hope Arise, which was your, your last album. Yeah, Modern Worship Album of the Year. Modern right. Worship Album of the Year. And then Inspirational Song of the Year for Pursue Me. That's right. Which is a song in that album. Correct. Okay. So, um, and, and how, how, how was that? How was going to Calgary for the... I mean, you've been to the award ceremonies before, but this, this year being nominated for three awards, winning two of them, how was that whole experience? It was incredible. Um, and, I mean, we... We went, my wife and I, Katie, we went for a whole week, um, and it was a very busy week. We had a lot of stuff going on, uh, and there's the GMA conference that goes on, and then there's the award show, and we right. had some ministry stuff. And um, But the award show is, you know, they always do a, a great job every year putting that on, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's quite an event. And we, there was some great performances. City Harmonic was there, Brian Dirksen, and uh, just, yeah. you know, so many other great, great Canadian artists uh, and groups. Um, and, uh, and it was just, um, being part of it, it's very inspiring as, as an artist and being, surrounding yourself with other people who are, you know, have the same passion and are trying to do the same thing and accomplish the same goal as you. So it's really, really nice to be able to just meet and hang out, uh, with those types of people and really connect that way on a, on a new level. So it was really, really, really good. So a big part of what happens is the whole networking thing. You mentioned the, the, uh, the conference or the workshops. Tell us a little bit more about that aspect. Yeah, so they host, um, for artists specifically, they host sessions, um, all different topics on, you know, songwriting, uh, business aspects of it, you know, how to improve in your ministry, in your performances, all that kind of stuff. Um, and they, they host, they bring in different speakers to talk about that. And um, they talk a little bit about radio and, and all the different elements and aspects of, of being an artist and being in ministry. So, so that part of it's really informative. And, and it's, um, it's a great opportunity to ask questions and learn. And, um, you know, the people that are giving the sessions, they've been doing this for years and years and they know it inside and out. And they just, it's just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, and it was interesting coming um, back to the Gospel Music Conference this year um, because I was I was there in 2009 mm-hmm. as a new artist, as a fresh face, as someone who had never really experienced yeah. anything like that before. It was neat coming back 
um, after the travels that I've had in the last couple of years, and then seeing new faces that I, you know, I looked at them and I said, right. "Wow, I I know exactly how you feel because I was totally there and I was sitting in your shoes and and feeling the same thing and having the same questions and." Uh, so it was really kind of neat to come back with fresh eyes and experience it that way. Now, who attends these sessions? Is it is it just anybody, or is it mostly nominees or like professionals? Everybody, everybody. Yeah, I you know I connected with uh, artist friends of mine that have been doing this for many many years, and you know I met some new people that um, are just starting out or just working on the first record or, or don't even have a record out yet, and so there's all it's a wide spectrum of people that are attending this. Right. Um, uh, did you get to perform at all dur- during either the conference or at the award ceremony? I, I I was part of it in two aspects. The the gospel music conference kicked off with a worship night, uh-huh. um, and so I was uh, really happy to be part of being able to lead worship with that with some other artists. And then the next night, uh, they always host uh, artist showcases all over the city, and I, I believe there was five different venues uh, this year that they had and. So uh, I performed right. there at a showcase as well with a bunch of other artists, and, and that was really cool as well. Yeah, and you had done that in, in 09 as well, I remember. Yeah. Um, wh- I know we've talked about this before, and I hate to bring it up again, but I think it's interesting, and, and, and for some of our listeners as well, I mean, the Gospel Music Awards is mostly not for, I mean, most of the artists that are there are not Catholic. You're yeah. Catholic. Um, I know Matt Marr won, uh, got an award as well. I don't know if he was there, but he's Catholic. Um, That's right. How is that dynamic while you're there? Is it is it something that's relevant, or is it just you know nobody cares? Um, I well, I don't, I don't know if people are necessarily aware of it like you and I are. Right. Um, it's interesting that the Toronto Mass Choir actually received yes. a bunch of awards as yes. well. Yes. Um, and uh, and then like you said, Matt Moore, and so there's you know we're definitely present. I, I just don't think people are aware of it. But what's interesting, and I always find this when, whenever uh, you know I'm performing or, or doing ministry in a Protestant church, is you know they, especially if they don't know ahead of time, they they kind of look, they come back after the, the the service or or the worship event, and they you know they start talking to you about oh where are you from, what church do you go to, yeah. and you know w- once you minister to people and, and enter into worship together, there's kind of like this bond of trust mm-hmm. already. And then when they start asking you, like, well, what's your faith background? And you tell them you're Catholic. It's like, whoa, I didn't know Catholics worship like that. Right. And, and it starts this whole new dynamic, and it's really, really interesting to see. I see it all the time, and it's so funny because there's the, you know, it goes back to that, the Catholic stereotype that's out there. And, right. And it, it's really neat to be able to break those barriers yeah. down. No, that's good. I mean, you, you're part of that sort of trailblazing I guess for for Catholics, and you're right. Maybe maybe I should just not bring it up so much, and we should just ignore it because maybe it's not an issue. Um, we've been listening to some songs from this this new album, "Let Hope Arise," and tell us a bit about it. Like, what's different for this album for you? Uh, this album for me, I think, um, might show a little bit more maturity uh, in faith and and also music ability, and you know, it's something that I'm a little bit proud of because I, I think. Um, our faith journey needs to be a progression. We need to be um, working towards holiness and and in our knowledge of Christ. And so, you know, I really strive for that in this album, in my writing, and in the way that we, uh, in the production when we put it together. Um, there's a lot of songs on this album that, um, you know, there's some that are for congregational use that you'll be able to just put it on and worship to. There's others that are more um, inspirational songs or storytelling songs about, 
you know, something that uh, maybe we struggle with or, you know, something that can lead us closer to Christ. So I think it's a good variety for, you know, the, the person that's looking for something that they can just worship with, close their eyes, raise their hands, or, or meditate to, or, um, you know, uh, just be able to, to listen and be inspired and encouraged with it. Right. So that's, uh, that's what I like about it. Yeah. Are, are there songs that people could use in not to listen and do their own worship privately, but can use at either, like you mentioned, congregational use, or that, that's mm-hmm. Mass, I guess, or for a worship yeah. session in church? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a passion of mine, and so I, I don't think I would be able to, I don't think I'd be capable of putting out a CD without yeah. at least one of those songs on it. Now, um, off the top of my head, uh, I wrote this song called We Receive, and mm-hmm. it's on the album, and I wrote it um, based on the Last Supper and and our celebration of the Eucharist. Right, so and, it could be. Uh, yeah, so that's, um, you know, I use that song a lot for communion. For communion, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, we, we don't have a lot of time left, but uh, anything new? Any new recordings? Lots. I know you're, I know you're always writing songs, but any yeah. any uh, new projects on the in the works? Um, I've, you know, I've, like you said, I've been doing um, just a lot of writing recently. I'm not uh, necessarily in the mind frame yet to, to put together my next album, although it's, it's always kind of in the back of my mind. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm just just connecting with with some new people, doing some writing, and I'm always always uh, looking for uh, new churches to travel to and do ministry, um, and just be able to you know putting on a worship event or, or whatever. I would always like to to enter into worship with with new faces. Yeah, no, excellent. Now that's a good place to end because I'm going to put in a plug for you. So to our listeners, if you're looking for a good uh, worship leader or someone to do ministry for your youth group or for any group in your parish. Or, or school group, go to chrisbraymusic.com, find out about Chris. Uh, he's doing lots of good work. Uh, so keep it up, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I, you know, I appreciate uh, you having me on the show here. Not a problem. It's always fun to, to, have, to, uh, to have an excuse to chat with all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should tell you about, um, I'll be releasing a new single, um, and it's actually Here I Am, Lord, a cover tune from Dan Shoot. Uh-huh. Um, I wrote a bridge to it, and we're. It's probably going to be the next thing. It'll be in January uh, that I'll be releasing it. So I'll give you the heads up about that. Oh, good. So send, yeah, send me a copy, it. and we'll play it. Okay, great. That'd okay, good. very good, Chris. It's been great speaking to you. Yeah, you as well. Thanks a lot, Pedro. That was Chris Bray, recipient of two Gospel Music Covenant Awards this year. For more information or to buy his music, visit him at chrisbraymusic.com. Here now is Chris with more each day.
Welcome to Salt and Light Radio Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Now, I don't know about you, but I have gone through times where I have questions about forgiveness. Does forgiving mean forgetting? Does it mean letting the offender hurt me again? Does it mean reconciliation? Does the other person have to apologize or be sorry? To help us answer these and other questions, I am now joined by Father Scott Hurd. He's the author of Forgiveness, a Catholic approach. Father Scott, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Well, thank you so much. It's a real blessing to be on the program. Yes. So why did you write this book? Well, forgiveness is such a, a central element in our Lord's teaching that I found myself preaching on the topic over and over again, mm-hmm. and then certainly in my pastoral ministry. Um, so many of us struggle to forgive those who have hurt us, that um, all of this experience came together um, into this book. I wanted to um, hopefully impart some of our Lord's teaching in a digestible way and perhaps share some of the lessons I have um, learned, both as an individual and as a, as a minister. So have you found that, uh, I, I guess, whether it's your parishioners or people that you minister to, that that um, a lot of people have questions or concerns or issues or with, with the idea of forgiveness? 
Absolutely. I mean, life gives all of us any number of opportunities to forgive. Yes. Um, it's, and it's something that we need to learn. Um, our natural response to being hurt is to, to hurt back mm-hmm. and to retaliate. Um, and so it, it's something of a, of a learned art and uh, a learned skill, and, and it's never easy. Um, it goes against our, our natural instincts. So I myself have struggled to forgive, and uh, so many of the people I know and ministered with have that same struggle. Now, what would be some misconceptions that people have about forgiveness? Sure, and uh, you were kind enough to mention several of those in the uh, the opening um, segment. Um, one is that we need to forgive and forget. Um, and if we have truly and deeply been hurt by another person, it's not possible for us to forget that experience in our life. Um, there might even be a benefit to not forgetting because the memory might prevent us from placing ourselves in a similar situation in the future. Right. Um, but we can forgive and let go without forgetting. And I, I, I love to tell people that um, the origin of the phrase forgive and forget is not in the Bible. Huh. It doesn't come from a saint. It comes from Don Quixote. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, if we try to forget a great hurt, we will be as successful as, as uh, Don Quixote was in mm-hmm. jousting with windmills. One of, one of the examples that you use in the book uh, has to do with women who've been uh, victims of domestic violence. And, and, and I think that's a good example because, as you describe in the book, a lot of them have been in patterns where the abuser, you know, she's abused and then he asks for forgiveness, she forgives, but then does that mean that she has to let him hurt her again? or that she's placing herself in that situation again, what would you tell that woman? Absolutely. Um, And that whole dynamic first came to my attention. I was teaching on forgiveness and mentioning um, our Lord's instruction that we need to forgive others 70 times, seven times. And this one person raised their hand and said, doesn't that give someone license to hurt us over and over and over again? Um, And... No, um, we can protect ourselves from being hurt. Um, there were many instances in our Lord's life when he removed himself from, from dangerous situations. Um, and so I like to make the point in the book that we can forgive from a distance the people that should be kept at a distance, um, and it is certainly consistent with our faith to defend ourselves and protect ourselves from someone who would repeatedly harm us, such as in situations of domestic violence. Right. Um, we, can, we can forgive. That doesn't always lead to a reconciliation. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to ask you about that, because what happens, what happens if the, the, the offender... Uh, is not apologetic or is not interested in reconciliation or is not sorry or does not accept our apology. Right, and that's a, a very painful thing because, um, you know, reconciliation is, is a, a beautiful healing of, of a rift um, that's been caused in a relationship, but reconciliation takes two people coming back together. Forgiveness only takes one. 
So we can always forgive another person, even if they don't wish to reconcile with us, even if they think they don't need to be forgiven. Forgiveness takes one. Reconciliation requires two. So they don't even need to know? Can I forgive someone from my past who's in another country who I'm never going to see again? Um, uh, How important is it that they know that I'm forgiving them? It depends, but um, there certainly is no general requirement that we need to necessarily communicate our forgiveness um, to those that we are forgiving. It may be that we are called upon to forgive someone who has died. Um, Perhaps we need to forgive our parents um, for some of the experiences of our childhood. There's not going to be an opportunity for reconciliation or communicating our forgiveness this side of the veil, um, but nevertheless, we can still forgive. We can let go of that resentment. You know, we can, we can stop from perhaps slandering them, you know, within the context of our remaining family members and so forth. So while reconciliation is always a beautiful thing, it's not always possible, and sometimes it's not always advisable. And it might not be, what you're saying is that it's not necessary for forgiveness. So that I forgive, right. so that I'm, would you say then that the purpose of the purpose, maybe that's not the right word, but the, the reason why we are called to forgive is more to release ourselves from that debt that we're holding the other person to rather than to, to bring the other person, I don't know, you know, sometimes people want to forgive as a way to retaliate. It's like, I'm going to make him you know, (laughs) apologize. Um, But it's not (laughs) about the other person, it's about me. I need to forgive for myself so that I can be free. That is certainly a very important part of forgiveness. Um, And as you mentioned, um, sometimes we can try to use what we think is forgiveness in a manipulative way. Um, I will forgive you if you apologize. (laughs) I will forgive you if you start getting your act together, um, and so forth. And from a Christian perspective, forgiveness is a gift of love, and Christian love is always unconditional. Mm -hmm. No strings attached, no preconditions. So we just forgive, and we don't try to use that in a manipulative way. I mean... You know, we tell someone, I forgive you. Well, in our, uh, in our worst moments, we, we can do that while trying to present ourselves as being morally superior to the person who hurt us. You know, we've got to be careful of that. Right. Now, th- so those are some of the, the I guess, uh, uh, topics that are covered in the book. I don't want to go through all of them because I want people to buy your book. Um, but how, how would you advise that people use the book? Because it's organized in, uh, I believe it's 24 very short chapters almost almost like a devotional. How do you uh, hope that people can use well, this book? Um, and, and, and thank you. I, I intended it to be short, easily digestible, and, and hopefully you know, accessible to uh, just about everyone who, who struggles to um, forgive. I'm, I'm a pastor and a preacher. I'm not a clinician and um, not a, uh, a psychotherapist. Um, so my, my hope in writing the book was to try to communicate an authentic Catholic understanding of forgiveness. 
um, because there are so many misconceptions about forgiveness, and there's a particular Catholic approach that is richer than, say, you know, a secular approach to forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I, I also hope that it's it's a tool for inspiration. You know, we've if we've truly and deeply been hurt by another person, uh, we can think there's no way I could forgive, or forgiveness just isn't possible given what I've experienced. And I hope that people who read the book will be inspired to to accept that with the grace of God, radical forgiveness is indeed truly possible and doable. Absolutely. And if I can add, it's, it's not just a book for people who are struggling with forgiveness or who, who need to forgive. It's a book for everybody, because at some point in our lives, we're all going to have situations where we have to forgive, as you, as you mentioned earlier. So uh, uh, very much encourage our listeners to uh, look up the book. Father Scott, um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today and, and uh, meeting you. Uh, thank you for sharing these uh, ideas with us today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Father Scott Hurd is a priest of the Archdiocese of Washington, and he's also the author of Forgiveness, A Catholic Approach. The book is available through Pauline Books and Media. You can visit their website at pauline.org. Here now is our featured artist of the week, John Michael Talbot, with his song, Nothing is Impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Overshadowed by the Holy Spirit Nothing is impossible with God Bearing in your life the good news Nothing is impossible The angel of the Lord has appeared Shadowed by the Holy Spirit. 
That was John Michael Talbot with Nothing Is Impossible from his album Worship and Bow Down. Last time we spoke with John Michael Talbot, we spent the time speaking mostly about his new album, Worship and Bow Down, and his new mass setting. You can listen to that interview on the archive section of our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. But John has also just published a book titled The Blessings of Benedict, which is a devotional commentary on the ancient monastic rule for everyday use by everyday folks. And to find out what all that means, I spoke with John Michael Talbot earlier this week. John Michael, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, Pedro. It's great to be back with you. You guys are, are good friends. Yes, yes, thank you. Now, so this book, The Blessings of Benedict, it's a devotional yes. book. Who, who is this book for? Is this a book for me? Uh, it's a book for monks, and it's, a good, and it's a book for folks that have a little bit of a monk in their heart, <laughs> but live out in the secular world. Okay. And uh, that was really the audience. You know, the new monasticism, as we're calling it, is, is, uh, is really a, a movement that spans all states of life. Folks that somehow find the monastic life and monastic spirituality, uh, you know, communitarian emphasis, simplicity, mm-hmm. and mysticism. Um, you know, this is something that, that does not know the boundaries of whether you live in a monastery or not. So I wanted to write a book based upon an ancient Western monastic rule that kind of uh, took some of that, that wisdom and brought it into our situation today in, in modern culture. So is it, a, is, it an, is it a book that deals with ideas, or is it like a practical guide that I, as a married man with kids and with a job, can actually uh, use as, as maybe a guide or, or to put into practice those, some, some of those uh, aspects of the rule, the monastic rule? It is, it, it is. It is. But it's also really meant to be more of a devotional. When I wrote it, you know, I had just written for liturgical press a book called The Universal Monk, The Way of the New Monastics, right? which goes into some greater detail. And I thought, you know, I really want to write something that, that the average busy person can sit down either at the beginning or the end of a busy day mm-hmm. and do a comfortable read in just a few minutes. So mm-hmm. I limited myself to one uh, Microsoft Word page. And, uh, and and it was really a, a wonderful challenge because the words had to be concise, thoughts had to be complete, uh-huh. kind of round and big, and uh, and yet something that had historical credibility, uh, you know, scholastic credibility, and practical credibility. Right. So the typical format is here's what it did, here's what they did. Here's what we do in the Brothers and Sisters of Charity. Uh-huh. Here's the challenge for you. Those three things in each check. Okay. Can you can you give us an example? I'm having a hard time just kind of imagining. So at the end of the day, I've had a, a normal day at work, busy, whatever, and I can, you know, my quiet time, my devotional time, whatever, prayer time, I can read this. It's It'll be it'll help me in my prayer. Um, it'll help you with your prayer and your life. I mean, it takes about five minutes to read one of the little chapters, but they're meaty. Uh-huh. So you may take five minutes to read it, another five minutes to think about it, or you may read it slowly. Uh, the chapters range from things like, what is obedience? Well, the, the root word from obedience in both the Hebrew and the Greek is to listen. 
Uh-huh. You know, to learn how to be a person in today's crazy world where we often don't let, fin- you know, I watch TV and these interviewers, they don't let people finish sentences before they ask the next question. Right. You know, to learn how to actually listen to what somebody is saying. And to listen, you have to get to a place of quiet and contemplation in your own heart. And you have to, I, I give a couple of little guidelines, you know, let somebody finish before you answer and listen not only to what they're saying, but what what the spirit of what they're saying is about. Some people can, you know, can, can voice themselves very well uh, through speech and some people can't. So some people are clumsy the way they the, the way they address one another. Mm-hmm. So get underneath that. And the only way you can get underneath that is to get underneath that in yourself uh, by taking some quiet time and entering into meditation and contemplation every day. Right. Uh, there are other chapters that are more challenging. What do you do with, you know, the nearly 10 chapters on the the jots and tittles of how many psalms you're supposed to use at each liturgical office? Right. Well, you know, St. Benedict... Uh, was a great integrator and a great moderator. So, so he took the ancient monastic practice of, uh, you know, the Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. He also was in Italy, close to Rome. So he took the Roman liturgical tradition and he put them together in an integration that really worked for his monasteries. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you understand that, that he is, is taking an ancient liturgical tradition, tapping into it, but adapting it to meet the daily needs of his monks, uh, it, it, that's a principle that helps us to understand how to be Catholic. Right. You know, you go back to the ancient, you tap into it, but you don't just mimic it like a parrot. You know, because we don't live back then. Right. You bring it into today's world and you apply it in a way that's going to be life-giving and in a way that's moderate. Uh, another challenging uh, chapter was <laughs> the reproving of boys. <laughs> what uh-huh. are you going to do with that? You know, well, the obvious application is children need discipline. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but but... But you have to bring that into today's environment where, you know, we don't, we don't tend to encourage people to spank their children regularly anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to use more educational means of discipline. So you have to apply it to, to that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, or, ex, or excommunication. Uh-huh. What is it? It's not the same thing as ecclesial excommunication. What it basically means is that through certain behaviors, in our community life, or in our families. We break communion with each other just by the way we act. So right. it's not so much that that the monastic leader excommunicates somebody. People kind of excommunicate themselves when mm. they stop acting in communion with their brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So those are some areas of the rule that can seem a little, frankly, a little archaic, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, how does this apply to modern still, life? So uh, that, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it still applies, it's still practical. So if people are looking for a devotional, something to uh, 
to uh, help them in their prayer and their daily life. This is a good book. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, your, because you're, you're in Buffalo right now. I know you're in the middle of a, what I would call a tour, but it's part, this is part right. of your itinerant ministry. Um, this is something that I know that you've, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but struggle whether you should do or not do or how much time you should spend on the road. How's that going? It's going great, but, uh, you know, for instance, I mean, we're very busy. I lived as a hermit for a long, long time, and even as a religious recluse mm-hmm. for about five years when I wasn't out on the road, uh, and the Lord gave me a word, you know, people, I'll speak from the United States perspective, we're in terrible trouble down here. Right. You know, people are really discouraged. They're discouraged about, you know, the recession, they're, they're discouraged about politics, uh, they're discouraged about the sex scandals in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so we're trying to bring a word of hope and of joy. You know, I laughingly uh, say, gee, you know, we need to find the wealth of Jesus that doesn't rise and fall with the economy. Right. That stays with us all the time. Uh, in politics down here in the States, I don't know what you guys have up in Canada, but, you know, uh, people don't know whether to drink coffee or tea. <laughs> right. You know, whether they're really conservative or really liberal yeah, or somewhere yeah. in between, people get very confused. So I say, look, let's preach the living water of the Spirit of God and the gospel of Jesus mm-hmm. that brings everybody together in a civil and a respectful way. Mm-hmm. And then, then in the church with the sex scandals, I, you know, I say, look, Jesus gave me a word back in 1978. The church sick and nearly died, but he's going to heal her and raise her to new life. And he said to me, I want you to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that word also applies today. You know, that we face the greatest challenge and are still facing the greatest challenge to the Catholic faith since the Protestant Reformation. Right. And, and uh, guess what? Jesus is going to get this through it. Because guess, you know, popes come and go, bishops come and go, clergy comes and goes, praise God, even the parish council comes and goes. <laughs> but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. So if we focus, if we focus on Christ, we're going to get through any challenge in the church or any challenge out in the, you know, the secular world. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's like it's like when Peter was walking on water. When he focused on Jesus, he could he could walk on water. Yes. And when he got his, when he got his eyes off of Jesus onto the storm, yes. he could get his faith. Yeah. So. Uh, this itinerant ministry is really bringing a message. Let's focus on Christ. Let Him get us through this, all these challenges. Yes, and that's a and, message that we need to hear here in Canada as well. Uh, I, I, you know, maybe maybe it's an opportunity to encourage our listeners in Canada to uh, yeah. to go and and uh, check your website, johnmichaeltalbot.com, and, and uh, invite you up because it's an important message. Now you are going to be in Canada next week at the Festival for Religious Song in Mississauga. That's in Ontario. Um, there's a concert uh-huh. on Sunday, November 20th. It's at 6 p.m. at John Paul II, at the John Paul II Center in Mississauga. Um, and I'm just putting in a plug because people can get more information at festivaloffaith.ca. Anyway, um, it's been great speaking with you, John. Uh, thank you for telling us about, about your new book. Um, and uh, I encourage everyone to go out there and get the book, to support your ministry, to uh, uh, buy your music, and, uh, and to keep your eyes focused on Jesus Christ like... Peter, so you can walk on water. How's that? Amen. 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 So uh, take it easy and uh, God bless. Thank you, Pedro. God bless everybody up there in Canada, and I'll see you soon.
That was a conversation I had with John Michael Talbot earlier this week, but to learn more about John Michael Talbot or to purchase his books or music, go to johnmichaeltalbot.com. Here now is John Michael Talbot with Sacred Silence. Sacred Silence Holy Ocean Gentle waters Washing over me Help me listen Holy Spirit Come and speak to me Sacred silence Holy ocean Gentle water Washing over me Help me listen Holy Spirit Come and speak to me God my Father Christ my Brother we're listening to John Michael Talbot with Sacred Silence from his album Worship and Bow Down, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. And to follow us closely, do so on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. We cannot do our work without your support. So thank you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Calm the raging storms within my soul And clear the waters of confusion Let pure and peaceful Holy Spirit